The medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen into these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. 
Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Geological. Today, my guests are Sandy Camper and Catherine Nimorowski. These are the two gua sha queens of our trade. And most of us have had a little experience and a little exposure with gua sha when we were in school. But, you know, it, it seemed, at least in my education, it was more like a footnote than anything else. I did notice over in Asia that gua sha was quite well used. Most every auntie or grandma knew how to do it. And often you'd see people with shop running around in China and Taiwan, both. But most doctors over there didn't do it. So maybe that's why the teaching over here, it didn't get so included with the medicine. I don't know. But I do know this. Sandy and Catherine know a lot about gua sha. And they've got some amazing stories to tell and some things that you're going to be able to use right now to help your patients. So we're going to get into it. We're going to learn how to raise a rash with the soup spoon. Sandy and Catherine, welcome to Geological. Thanks for having us. I'm really looking forward to this. So let's let's start with Sandy. Uh, you're the first person, you know, we took a class together a while back and you mentioned gua sha and I was like, gua sha, really? And uh, that, that's what's brought us together here. What was your exposure to this? Was this something you learned in school? How did you find your way into being one of the gua sha queens? Well, I didn't have any exposure training to Guasa when I was in school. And so it was many years before uh, a friend, one of my classmates came to visit and told me that he was, he was doing Guasa and he thought it was great. So he performed Guasa on me so I could experience what that was like. And then he did Guasa on my husband so I could watch him and see how he did it. And I experienced pretty immediately this wonderful sense of patience. And I had young children at the time, so that was a very welcome experience. And then I started doing guasa on my patients to good effect. I saw that Dr. Aria Nielsen was doing a class in guasa at what was the New England School of Acupuncture. And I took her class, which was terrific. And... I've discovered a lot more about Guasa. I found out that I was probably doing incomplete treatments on my patients. And so in my practice, I started doing Guasa on everybody I could get my hands on. And I had amazing results. Uh, Catherine and I speak frequently over Instant Messenger about our practices. And we found that we were commenting frequently about how amazing our results were about Guasa. And uh, about that time, one of 
the people that I tr about the time I trained with mentioned on a list or an alumni listserv that she didn't do guasa in her practice at all. And I thought, oh, this is this is not good. We should be doing this in our practices because we're get, we're getting such great results. So we decided that we should teach a class. And Catherine decided uh, she mentioned that it should be called the magic of guasa because it seems like the results are so incredible. Catherine. I how did you get involved with this? Was it was it because of Sandy or was there some other way that you found your way to doing these treatments? So um, I went to a TCM school and we did go over Gua Sha, but uh, it was it was maybe an hour out of a, a much bigger class that, you know, that covered a lot of different material. And it really didn't make much of an impression on me at all. It wasn't particularly emphasized by the teacher so when I started my practice, I really wasn't using gua sha at all. And um, at the time, I think it was my second year of practice or my third year of practice, I was experiencing hip pain, pretty extreme hip pain. And I, I can't remember what it was exactly that triggered me. It might have been an online discussion or somebody had just mentioned gua sha or something. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll try that on my hip. You know, I wasn't really expecting much. And well, the, the hip, you know, became totally purple and the pain, which had been significant, was gone. I mean, like completely gone with one session. So I thought to myself, oh, my God, why am I not doing this on my patients? This is crazy. And, and then I started using it regularly and it changed my whole practice. Like... You, Catherine, I also got it in school, but it really seemed like it was more of a footnote than anything else. It was, it, you know, and it was almost like it was being taught as an artifact. Well, this is a part of Chinese medicine. You need to learn how to do it. And we did it, but it's like no one experienced anything, I don't think, from, I mean, we didn't get anything out of it other than, yeah, here's this thing you do, and it's supposed to be helpful. But it's like nothing happened. And I mean, it's curious to me. It seems like this is being taught all over the place, but no one's having these experiences like, oh my God, my hip pain's gone. Or, I mean, it sounds like you guys use it all over the place with tremendous results. Sandy was telling us earlier, she got guasad and it had this spirit calming effect. Mm. Right? Yeah. And the other thing, Sandy, that you mentioned, you said one of the things that you found out in doing this is that you had been doing incomplete guasa treatments. Could you go a little bit into that? Because maybe that's what's happening is when we're being taught in school, it's actually an incomplete lesson. So we don't get all the way from A you know, through Z, so to speak, and get to the amazing thing that happens at the end. So can you clue us in a little bit as to what a complete treatment looks like and what are the signs of an incomplete treatment? Well, one of the things I noticed was that uh, oftentimes people are just doing the area between the spine and the shoulder blades. And there's so much more of the body to be done with guasa that, that will yield amazing results and will uh, help in so many different ways, so many different kinds of conditions. I think also the kinds of conditions that we think of to use guasa are more limited than they should be. I think there's so many more conditions that will be positively affected by guasa. 
Can you give us an example of, of some of the conditions that may not immediately come to mind, but you guys see and treat all the time? Well, I should first mention the things that most people associate with it, which is pain and inflammation, those kinds of conditions. When your patient has any kind of pain or inflammation, glossa is useful. And many of us know about using it when there's fevers uh, or, you know, an invasion of some kind like that, wind cold, wind heat. But there are so many other con- other kinds of conditions, autoimmune issues, whenever there's any signs of blood stagnation, digestive problems. There's so many conditions that, and, and also the emotional that we mentioned, you know, anxiety, those kinds of things respond to guasa as well. Absolutely. I, I had a patient who, uh, she had been coming in for some time for um, an unrelated condition, but she came in one day with lingering bronchitis. She had, uh, she was, you know, had been taking antibiotics and the bronchitis just wouldn't let go. And she came into the office coughing and coughing. So I had her lie down face down on the table and I gua shot over her lungs in the back. And you could really see the outline of the lungs in Shah, it was pretty amazing. And as the Shah came up, the coughing subsided. And by the and by the time I was done, that she had stopped coughing. I texted her the next day, and she said her lungs were totally clear. There's amazing results like that. I had someone with COPD who was wheezing so profoundly that she couldn't speak to me, and so I just started out doing guasa and. Immediately, the wheezing calmed down, and she was able to talk to me. So the, it's the the results are so impressive and so fast. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, Sandy. You know, so much of Chinese medicine is a slow medicine, and because you know we are enculturated to a to getting you know faster results, at least with things like pain. You know, you take a pill, and you you know the headache goes away, and so much of Chinese medicine is slower. And with gua sha, we can get very fast results. We can send somebody out the door feeling immediately better. And that's going to generate a lot of goodwill for when we're asking them to you know, go along for the longer journey of treating chronic issues that do that are more time consuming to treat. Yeah. When I lived in Asia, there'd often be this phrase about if you need something taken care of quickly, you use Western medicine. And if there's something chronic, you use Chinese medicine, which, which we know is not correct. Right. But it, you know, different cultures get these ideas about what's right and you know, what you're Mm -hmm. supposed to do, because we know that even with acupuncture, you can get some very fast results. And with herbs, you can get some very fast results if you've got something dialed in. But this gua sha sounds like you can get some, very quick results to some troubling, really dialed in physical conditions. Absolutely. So give us a little glimpse here of you and your clinic. Do you do acupuncture first? Do you do, do you do gua sha first? How do you figure out when to use what? Sandy, do you want to go ahead? Sure. I'll take that. Um, I, you know, I initially talked to the patient for a few minutes and, and if they mention anything with pain, uh, or any of the things that we've already talked about that make me think guasa, and I want to do guasa on them, I'll do that first, typically. And then after I do the guasa, then I'll do needles, uh, maybe about what, you know, I did the guasa for, but also it could be for other things, like maybe an underlying imbalance, an underlying constitutional issue. But I don't think that's 
necessarily a hard and fast rule. You can do gua sa after you do acupuncture. You can do a little acupuncture, do gua sa, and then do something else with acupuncture if you have the time. I think people can design treatments, you know, as we all do with our own ideas about it. Mm -hmm. You tend to go with it first. Yes, I do tend to go with wasa first and then and then needles. It must be impressive to your patients to walk in with pain and within, I don't know, how long does it take you to do gua sha? Five or seven minutes? Right, depending on how much you want to do. And, you know, people get uh, more efficient at it as they learn it. So you can do more of the, you know, more areas of the body in a shorter amount of time as you get more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having somebody say, and I think this was one of Catherine's patients who was having trouble with her neck. Catherine, do you want to tell that story about the parking? Oh, right. Yeah, I love the story. So this is a longtime patient of mine uh, who had, again, been coming for something unrelated. And she, we were chit-chatting one day, as you do with your patients when you're putting needles in. And she mentioned to me that she never parks anywhere where she has to back out because she can't turn her head. And I said, oh, no, why didn't you tell me this a year ago? And I guashed her, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guashed her neck, and she said, and and I I'm quoting her, "Oh my God, I can park anywhere now." That's great. Well, yeah. I, you know, I have to admit here, for you listeners, this is not the first time that I've spoken with Sandy and Catherine. We did a show a week ago, but we had a little bit of a technical malfunction, and so I wasn't able to bring that one to you. So. I got tipped off to Guasa a couple of weeks ago at this point because of the conversation that we earlier had. And the day after our last conversation, I had this guy come in with um, stiff neck, very stiff neck. And he's this like super weightlifter. I mean, this guy's got a neck bigger than most people's thighs, right? Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, let's, let's try this stuff out, right? So I pull out my uh, jelly jar lid, and and but first I do a, a little bit of range of motion with this guy, and he right. is, he's got restriction, at least fifty percent in all directions, and like turning to the left, he had like thirty percent of the range of motion that he should have had. So I go to work on him, and I'm telling you, the room is heating up because of the heat that's coming off of this dude, right? Wow. It's red, it's purple, and it's just, I mean, it's like he is generating a fever from the guasa. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do that for about maybe 10 minutes, right, to each side. Check the range of motion, which basically was normal. Wow. After that amount of time. Yeah. I mean, it was normal. It's like he, I'd say, turn your head to the left, and he'd like turn it all the way to the left. Yep. This yeah. is why we call the class the magic of guasha. It was really stunning. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And that person will love you from here to eternity. And we'll talk about the amazing results. Exactly. So you find this is good for your business. You have people that are referring other people for Guasa. Oh, yeah. I, um, I had one guy who had, he was the husband of a patient who had just come in because his back went out. He really didn't have any any major health problems, but his back went out and it was bad. I mean, the guy, he came in practically in tears. He could barely move. And 
uh, gua shot his back. He felt, I mean, it was like a 90% improvement in the first treatment. And he t- had his wife take pictures and he posted them up on Facebook with my contact information. And, and uh, yeah, I got, a, I definitely got patients out of it. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. So I want to dig a little bit into what's going on here. So physiologically... Can you guys, I mean, I, I get it that we're moving some blood, we're moving some chi, but what else is going on here physiologically? Is there any Western points of view that you can bring to this or other, you know, go deeper into the Chinese medicine points of view? What's happening here with this very simple stroking that brings this redness up to the surface of the skin? Well, there, there are a lot of interesting studies. I used to be a scientist before I was an acupuncturist, so I kind of geek out on the studies. I like to read about that. The studies show that there's uh, your body's natural anti-inflammatories are brought out, and that's uh, a systemic thing. So that's why the guasa can help areas beyond where you are actually performing the guasa. It can. That's why it can help digestive problems. It can help uh, other areas of the body where there's pain and inflammation because the what gets released is is released systemically. There's also an increase in blood circulation uh, that continues for some time after you complete the guasa treatment. And one of the things also that I find so fascinating is in school, you know, when we talked about pulse and tongue changes, the tongue changes, the, the lore was that it took a little longer for tongue to, you know, the, the qualities on the tongue to change. And what I found with guasa is if you look at the tongue before you do the guasa and then you look afterwards, oftentimes you see changes immediately, like less redness if there's heat. Yeah. Because like you said, with your patient with the neck, you know, he was releasing all this heat Mm -hmm. that was trapped. And you can see a change in the coat. For those with blood deficiency, you can see um, the tongue pink up. So there's all these changes that are immediate like that, that you can see that I find just thrilling. Wow. Mm. Systemic anti-inflammatory response. That's, that's huge. It really is. It's, you know, the, the research is so interesting. There's been studies that 
Guasa is performed on on a mice on a mouse, and you know you get they do scans and you get to see where in the body these uh, anti-inflammatories are lighting up, and it's it's throughout the body and other places besides the back where you're doing the guasa. So it's all throughout the body. It's thrilling. You also mentioned that it's helpful for digestive issues. Where would you do the guasa? For a digestive thing, is it is it always done on the back, or would you do the belly, or, or could you actually go and like guasa stomach thirty six? Well, yeah, I mean, you could you could certainly try all of those things. I have found very effective to for treating acid reflux to guasha the the mid part of the back around the diaphragm. Um, I find that really all the time when somebody complains of the the reflux that there is going to be a lot of shock coming up in that mid-back area. And then patients report to me after the treatment that it's they really experienced a lot of relief. Also, I've treated people with liver issues, hepatitis, cirrhosis even of the liver, and uh, all through the mid-back area, you get so much shock coming up. I know with cupping, You'll get different kinds of marks. You'll have different colors. The marking is often indicative, not just of a stagnation, but what kind of stagnation is a blood stagnation? Is is there chi deficiency? Is there fluid and dampness? That kind of thing. Do you find that there's different kinds of sha that will show up and that sha is also diagnostic in terms of what's happening for a patient, what their underlying condition is? You can see different types of saw coming up with different types of conditions. So it can be very red when there's heat. It can be more purple when there's more stagnation, more blood stasis. It can be more pale when there's deficiency, like uh, blood deficiency. And cold even, it can be more of a hue that's towards blue. So there's definitely diagnostic kinds of saw. And also, the, the more you repeat guasa on patients, you should see it diminishing unless there's some way that it's getting reintroduced to the person. Although there are, the caveat is there are some people that seem to always have an enormous amount of saw coming up. This is true. And yeah, I recently had a patient who, it's a young woman and her pulses were, are so deficient, like, I mean, almost unbelievably deficient. And I've done gua sha on her the last few times and the shah was not indicative of deficiency. It was very, very dark, very purple, a lot of it coming up. So I, it just made me think about, you know, maybe there are other reasons why the pulse is deficient or it, it kind of, you know, presented a more complex picture of what's going on with her, which I haven't completely figured out yet, but it is a very helpful diagnostic tool. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes like that. We'll see a picture with our patient where things don't quite match up, right? right? They seem really deficient. And then you look in another place and you go, wow, there's all this stagnation. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's not always so textbook that everything lines up, but definitely then it sounds like it's not just something that's helpful for treatment, but this is, this is useful diagnostically. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What do you guys use to gua sha with? When I was in acupuncture school, I think we use soup spoons and, mm-hmm. and I've seen, especially over in Asia, I mean, you'll see street vendors selling these really nice carved buffalo horns and, you know, different, all, all kinds of different scraping devices. Right. What do you guys use in your clinic? 
Well, we use very fancy high-tech tools. <laughs> They're uh, known as jar lids. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. We, we both really have found that the jar lids are more effective than any of the other tools. And then there's the added benefit of them being easy to clean and disinfect, which is very, very important. I mean, the um you know, the spoons are the spoons are fine. You can clean and disinfect those. The horn instruments, even though they are beautiful, we recommend that people just have those for show and really use a more pragmatic tool for doing the actual gua sha because, um, you know, it's important not just for effectiveness, but for, for hygiene as well. Yes, you definitely don't want to be transmitting anything from one patient to another because something's gotten into a little crack in your tool. So being able to disinfect fully is very important. So you would really want a, a surface that's completely non-porous. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You give us a little more. I mean, how do you disinfect your tools? What do you do? Right. So, so these kinds of tools that don't penetrate the skin are known as non-critical objects or non-critical items. And by CDC recommendations, we use a mid-level disinfectant. Something like barbicide would be an, an example of that. And you know, first you will will wash the tools with hot water and soap, and that's going to get off any of the oils or lubricants that we're using with the gua sha tools. And then we'll disinfect according to the the directions of whatever mid-level disinfectant you're, you're using. It's really important to do this because, again, even though the tools aren't penetrating the skin, there's more than a good chance that you're going to pick up some kind of blood or bodily fluid. I mean, you may go over you may go over some, you know, acne that's on the skin and it may be very, very subtle, but you're going over that and it's opening and there's, you know, possibly pus coming out or blood and, and often it's such a small amount that you can't see. And it's just, it's very, very important that we not be transmitting this stuff to, from one patient to the next. Yeah. Well, you know, you're using jar lids. Right. I mean, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was just wondering, you could probably just buy jar lids and use them as single-use disposable. You could you could do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would be another way to go. Right. That would be just, you know, practitioner preference. I mean, I'm, I reuse my jar lids after disinfecting, but there's going to come a time where um, I'm going to discard them and get new ones anyway. I mean, they're not going to be good forever. Uh, you know, eventually from even the aluminum jar lid, I, I, th- I guess it's aluminum that they use. It does start to corrode after a certain you know number of washings, so you definitely want to replace them. You want to have tools that have absolute integrity. Right. What about stone? I've I've seen them made out of jade and other kinds of stone. Have you tried using the stone tools? I really haven't. Have you, Sandy? No, I haven't used them. I've I've seen people talk about using them in facial guasa. But I haven't used them, and I just would be aware of porosity and making sure that you have something that's going to be able to be completely cleaned. Okay. You mentioned facial guasa. Is that something that the two of you also do? I, I personally don't do much of that. Um, we had a student in one of our classes who used it for a facial rejuvenation and she actually did a demo for us. So, you know, it's definitely a thing. I mean, I, I really haven't had thus far, I haven't had any conditions that I thought 
uh, called for it. I have done gua sha into the scalp with very good effect. Mm-hmm. For headaches and things like that, migraines. And are you going after the gallbladder channel or what? Uh, where do you decide to go with the head for these? Yeah, generally I'll start around gallbladder 20 and then make my way up the gallbladder channel or down. Yeah. Again, I want to come back. I got a little note here with a circle around it. Something Sandy said about incomplete treatments. So how do we know when a treatment is complete? Well, when I was talking about that, I, I was aware that uh, when I was taught by my classmate, it was just a very limited part of the body. And what we teach in our class is much broader than that. And we have a whole day class where we talk about and we demonstrate and, and the students in the class will perform guasa on each other so that they both get to experience what it feels like to have a guasa treatment, which is, I think, an essential part of the class because when you feel how good you feel after you get a guasa treatment, I think that makes it much more fun to do in your practice because you, you have an, um, an embodied experience of what it feels like to have guasa. And they also perform guasa on their partner so and under our supervision so that they we're sure that they're holding the tool correctly, that they're that that they're doing all parts of the body of you know that they should be going over. We found sometimes in class that people Students can be a little nervous when the sock starts to come up because it looks sometimes very dramatic and people can be concerned that they're hurting the person. So uh, that's an important feeling to get over. I get a little gleeful when I see the sock coming up because I know how good the person's going to feel. Yeah, absolutely. Gleeful is exactly the right word. Absolutely. And I, you know, I'll, I'll add to what Sandy said um, by saying that we have certainly both had gua, gua sha treatments without very good, have, have, sorry, we've both have tr- had treatments done to us where the technique wasn't very good. And it really, there really is a big difference between good technique and bad technique. And so this is something that we, that we're, you know, we spend a lot of time during the class on so that people can walk out of the class and go into their clinic the next day and feel confident that they're going to give a good treatment. Yeah. Some, some of the comments, for example, uh, people who've had, who've been in students in the class and have had guasa performed on them will often say that it was very effective, but it was very painful. Or uh, I've experienced guasa where the next day in the shower, it was painful. And I would say that neither of those things has to be the case, that you can perform guasa on someone. Well, there are some people who are very sensitive, but most of the time uh, get really good effect without the person feeling like, you know, they're gritting their teeth. You know, I mentioned that because of our previous conversation, I've been doing more guasa in my clinic. And my wife is Chinese and she's done guasa for me and she does it in a fairly aggressive fashion as, as is often the technique from Chinese. So sometimes I'm really timid around Gua Sa because it's not always the most pleasant experience, even if it does help me. So when I'm in clinic, I tend to be a little timid. I tend to be, well, I don't know if timid is the right word. I'm cautious. Yeah. I'm doing the Gua Sa on my patients because I, I don't want them to experience a lot of discomfort. And every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll be scraping along and I can feel the tissue underneath and it's like 
corrugated, right? It's like scraping on corrugated cardboard, right? Which freaks me out a little bit. It's like, oh my God, you know, is this, is this painful for the patient? So I will check in with them and, you know, how are you doing? How does this feel? What's this like for you? Right. Yes. And pretty much all of the time they go, that feels so good. Right? Yeah. And I'm sitting there doing, I'm sitting there scraping over this corrugated cardboard of their fascia and thinking, they think this feels good. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, we'll continue and see what happens. So right. I, I suspect checking in with your patients is a really helpful thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you have to check in with them because you have no way of knowing what they're feeling unless they tell you. And uh, sometimes patients feel like they have to just sit there and, and bear something that's not really bearable. So I always remind patients just to, you know, continually give me feedback. And some people are, you know, can withstand more than others. And with people who are very sensitive and there's a lot of stagnation, I'll have a, I'll use a lighter pressure and um, we'll do it slowly and, and it might take more treatments to get all the shah out. But, you know, generally people are very patient about that. They, you know, they'd rather it, we, you know, do what they can, what they can take each session. And then eventually we will get it all out. Right. And they're experiencing benefit all along the way, typically. Right. Uh, right. So it is, you're right. It's very important to get elicit feedback from your patients about what they're feeling. And often, like you said, Michael, people will say, oh, that feels so good. Most of the time I, I find that to be true. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts about, I mean, when I was saying that you, you know, you scrape, you get this feeling like you're scraping over cardboard, like corrugated cardboard. What's your sense of what's happening with the tissues in that area? And is this something eventually that will smooth out? Yeah, I mean, not only are we breaking up the blood stagnation in the capillaries with gua sha, but we're also breaking up fascial adhesions. So I, I do expect that tissue under the skin to smooth out over time, over, you know, uh, multiple treatments. Okay. There is a thing, a technique out there. Um, I think the physical therapists do it. I think it's named after someone. It's called the Graston technique. And <laughs> you're laughing. Yeah. So it's it, it's it's kind of interesting because they've got these tools. They've got these very special, high-tech, beautiful tools that cost like $2,000, I think, or more. For like yeah. a set of tools, it's like thousands of dollars, right? Yeah. And And then you look at what they're doing and you look at what the skin looks like after they've done their treatment, it looks a lot like guasa. It is guasa. Yes. <laughs> so it's so it's guasha and <laughs> Oh, it's dry guasa. Yeah, I like to call it chutzpah. <laughs> chutzpah. <laughs> um, yeah. So and you know, it's funny. I I just did guasha on Friday on a woman who she's the mother of one of my patients, and she was having a lot of neck pain. And her husband is a chiropractor. So she had mentioned actually, or I'm not sure, maybe I mentioned it first, the, the Graston. And she said, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've heard about that. She says, but you know, he's done that on me, but it doesn't usually, it doesn't get red. Like they'll, he'll just scrape a, enough just to, well, I don't know enough to what, but he'll just scrape, but it doesn't bring up the red. So it seems like an incomplete treatment as well. Mm -hmm. I think our profession has really made a mistake by not owning this technique. Yeah. 
the way it should because it, it, we get such incredible results. Chinese medicine explains what is going on with the patient, why it's helpful, why it's beneficial. And it shouldn't just be a cursory thing taught in schools. That's one of the reasons, this is one of the big reasons why we wanted to teach the class because more people, more acupuncturists should be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is a piece of our medicine that we need to grab the wheel of it, so to speak, and, and take ownership. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, Absolutely. you know, we tell people, we tell our students that if they aren't already using gua sha regularly, it's going to change their practice. And I, it really does. I mean, I think about some of the patients I had before I started using gua sha regularly, people I really could have helped, you know, and I, I, I remember them kind of with that pang of regret, like gee, if I had only known at the time, I really could have helped them. It also helps a lot with uh, pediatric issues because I know at least my children don't always want and ask for acupuncture, but they will ask for guasa. Uh-huh. So what kind of pediatric issues do you work with with your kids on that? Well, it's kind of alarming that young children can have knots in their back, but sometimes they do with these backpacks that they're carrying around full of books. But also if they feel like they're coming down with anything, it works really well to interrupt that invasion. And I suspect that's true for adults as well, at the very, very early stages of a wind cold or wind heat in particular. Yes, but uh, also... This could be helpful, huh? Yes, but also if it's gotten in deeper to Xiaoyang or Yangming stages, you can also help the person. I had somebody come with an active flu. It had been going on long enough that he couldn't get anything at the hospital and he came in to see me with a fever, and it usually turns to pneumonia in him. So we really wanted to, I, I, I told him he definitely should come in. And I did guasa over his upper back and also over the lung uh, area in the front. And by the end of the treatment, he, his body temperature was closer to normal. And later he texted me that his fever was gone and his temperature was 98.6 and it didn't get into his lungs the way it usually does. So it, even for when it's gotten more advanced, you can still help the patient. That's stunning. It really is. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking that is stunning. It's so simple. I, you know, I wonder if that might be part of why the profession hasn't embraced it as fully as it could, because sometimes we think to be effective, things have to be more complex. And that's not always the case. Sometimes something that's very simple can be the most effective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, you know, this is kind of repeating what I had said before, but you, you're just generating so much goodwill with the patient by addressing their you know, pain or, or if it's an extreme, you know, respiratory condition or something where they come into the office wanting relief. And, you know, who doesn't want pain relief? And then if you want to work with them on those issues that do take more complicated treatment protocols, you, you know, like you have that goodwill. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle 
becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Yeah. The, I mean, the pain relief piece is, of course, very, very helpful. And it's often what brings people to an acupuncturist. I'm really struck here by what Sandy has to say about treating a flu that's not just at the beginning stage, but actually sort of in full bloom. Absolutely. Those are, those are hard to treat. I spent a little time in Asia in acupuncture clinics and herbal clinics. And I, I mean, I put my nose into studying some medicine over there and I, I never saw guasa being used as part of the, I'm using air quotes here, medicine, right? But I did see people walking around with Sha all the time, especially like in Beijing in the fall when it's dry and it's beginning to get cold and it's dusty as all get out. And it's really common for people to have sore throats and, you know, the kind of uh, dry invasions that you would expect at that time of year. And in the fall, people be walking around. I mean, lots of people, like all over the place, they'd be walking around with three stripes on the front of their throat, mm. one right in the center on the windpipe, and then on either side, right, sort of stomach, stomach meridian. And it was interesting to me because I never saw that done in any of the clinics there. But I'd see people walking around with this. And I, it's like, where, who's doing this? I'm, maybe they're doing it at home for themselves. I think you mentioned, you know, it's the aunties and the grandmothers oftentimes who are, who are doing this on their right. children and grandchildren. And I, I think another, another point to make is that, you know, when you start to do wasa on somebody and you see it coming up at the edge of where you're doing the stroking, don't stop there. Just follow it. Follow it until it doesn't come up because you don't want to leave that behind. You want to get that out. Right. Right. I, you know, often treat shoulder pain and, um, more often than not, you know, I'll, I'll just work my way down the arm, you know, either, whether it be the large intestine channel or the triple heater channel. And you can see like that it's, the shot doesn't stop at the shoulder. It goes pretty far down. I was gonna say, so you, I just want to check, make sure I understand this. You want to keep stroking and scraping and see where it goes to you sort of follow. Right what's rising up on the skin. Right, exactly. Yeah, the body will tell you. Yeah, I've treated people with uh, concussion, you know, and the neck is a good place to work on for that and the, the base of the skull. And I just keep following. If it goes all the way around to the front of the neck, I just keep following it around till uh, it doesn't come up because, and oftentimes, you know, we kind of, I kind of try to train my patients to, let me know where they still feel any tightness. You you don't want to leave that behind. Right. Gua sha for concussions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
Wow. I found it so helpful. You know, with concussions, and of course, this is something big in the news these days, because it's not just the physical things like headaches and maybe photophobia, or, uh, but also there's emotional components oftentimes to concussions that can be improved with guasa, I find. People feel calmer, they have less emotional lability and feel more stable. I think it's an essential part of treating concussions. Yeah, agreed. Hmm. There's so much in the news these days with, you know, the opioid crisis uh, and, and ways, other ways that the CDC has recommended to doctors to deal with pain other than narcotic pain relief. And we have this tool at our disposal that can provide that. So this is something that, in addition to acupuncture, could be helpful for the pain that people are usually taking opioid drugs for. So this, this could help with the opioid crisis is what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. You know, you also mentioned the spirit calming. I've heard you mention this a couple of times in our discussion today. So what about in situations like where acupuncturists uh, without borders go, where there's disasters or there's people that are, you know, they've suffered some sort of trauma. The five needles in the ear is very helpful for that. Uh, it sounds like Gua Sha could be a component in helping people through these sorts of traumas. Is that is that your take on it as well? I'm sure that it could be hugely beneficial for that, you know, for the first responders as well as the victims of the whatever the disaster is. I think it could be really helpful for that. People will often describe that they had a deeper sleep the night after the guasa. Right. And, you know, not only my personal experience of feeling instantly calmer after guasa, many people have talked about feeling more relaxed. And in our classes, the students who wouldn't have said at the beginning, I don't think that they didn't feel relaxed at the end will talk about how they feel so much more relaxed. As I think this tension that, you know, we store in the body gradually builds up and it, it eventually just starts to, we think this is how it feels to be me. Right. And really that's uh, so much tension that's just stored in there and the guasa can help get that out of the body. Right. I mean, blood is consciousness, right? So when we move blood, we also move consciousness. Yeah. Tell us a bit about this class that you two teach. Right. So, so the class is, it's a combination of, um, you know, we'll, we will do some lecturing and we do a whole lot of uh, practical hands-on, whereas Sandy had mentioned previously that every person in the class will both give and receive pretty much full body gua sha by the end of the class. We, we've received great feedback from students, uh, not only on how informative the class was, but on how how fun it was. I mean, everybody really has a good time. And it's, you can get seven PDAs from the NCCAOM and two of those are for safety, which uh, are required in the renewal. Right. Oh, great. Like so it. if you need to go do that, that's, and everybody needs to do that safety class. Right. We hate having to do that. <laughs> right. But in this case, you'll love it. You'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Hey, you, you mentioned, full body. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, usually you work on the head or the, you know, the back. That's very common. But I mean, it does make sense you could do full body. What about things like plantar fasciitis, right? That's like the opposite end of the body from where we usually think about doing gua sha. 
Definitely. Uh, or shin splints or things like that. How, how, would you, how would you approach that? How would you treat plantar fasciitis with Kwasa? Right. Well, you, you can certainly start on the bottom of the foot and then also treat the Achilles tendon and just, you know, go up the calf. I mean, anywhere on the body where there's fascia and blood vessels <laughs> is where you can do gua sha. So, um, you know, now you may not, you may not actually get sha at all of these places. Some parts of the body are, are going to generate sha more easily than others. But I find that even when not a lot of sha comes up, that it's still therapeutic because again, you're still breaking up adhesions in the fascia. Well, I really appreciate not just this conversation, but the previous one that we had as well. It has, it's made it's already making a difference in my practice. In fact, I had a guy in the other day. I'm, I'm not sure where this is going to go. He's got fairly well-advanced ALS. Mm. And he came in saying, yeah, I'm not asking you to treat my ALS. I mean, the guy can't even hold his head up, right? He comes in, mm. he's like he's like bent over at almost 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. But he's got back pain. He's got shoulder pain. He's like, you know, just if you can just help me to have less pain, that'd be great. It's and I'm so thinking, perfect. Yeah, so perfect. Oh my or something god! Like that. Well, you yeah. know, it kind of flipped me out a little bit at first, right? It's like, well, ALS, guasa. I mean, this. I'd like to try it. I don't know how this is going to go with him, right? Always a little nervous when it's a condition I've not seen before. So I, I worked on his lower back, and then I worked on his shoulders, which like turned purple. Yeah. Very oh, I quickly. bet. Oh my god! And he. He liked how it felt, and then as he and he he had someone drive him over. He can't drive. Okay. As he's sitting in the chair to pay me at the end, both myself and him and the person that brought him in notice that he's actually sitting in the chair and he's holding his head up. His head is being held up. I mean, he's holding his head up. He's not having to hold it up. He's that not is, hunched over. That's amazing. His head was upright. That's really amazing. That, that's really beautiful. It actually gets me choked up. It does me too. That that's so wonderful. I mean, you're you're increasing the blood circulation to the area. You're affecting the fascia. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things going on, and and I think this is why we should all be using it because who knows what what it can be useful right. for. I don't think we know that. I don't think we know the limits. Well, we just need to get out and start using it. That's right. Yes, yes, absolutely. When I fir- first started doing it a lot in the office, I got a little bit nervous about, you know, sending people home looking so, you know, kind of beat up. But I, I always send people home with a in- information sheet so they can read about it, their their spouse can read about it. And I have found that the the way that it looks it has been absolutely, it, it doesn't matter at all. Um, people really don't care because they feel so great after the treatment. That's a, that's the important point, I think. I mean, most people aren't coming to us for needles, right? They're coming to us to feel better. Exactly. And they don't they don't care so much about what the technique is. And it's the same with guasa. If they feel better, that's what's going to matter to them. Right. Wow, great. We're about to wind this thing down. I've I've so enjoyed the conversations we've had. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye for today? Well, we are, uh, I'm not exactly sure when this is airing, but we're teaching the weekend of April 20th in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. We're having a class that Saturday, and that class is sponsored by the Wisconsin uh, Society of Certified Acupuncturists, I think is what WISCA stands for. Is that correct, Sandy? I think so, yes. Yeah, and um, so there's still, you know, if, if anyone in that area is listening and they're still 
it's still time before the class. We'd love to have you join us. And you could go to Catherine's website in order to uh, book us to teach a class in your area if that's what you'd like to do. Yes, we, we want to teach in as many places as possible. So yeah, absolutely. In, invite us and we shall come. And spread the Guasa love. Yes. Spread the Guasa love. Yeah. Um, I'll make sure all that stuff is on the show notes page and uh, people can go find you too. Catherine and Sandy, thank you so much for your time today. This this is wonderful stuff, and I hope our colleagues will grab it, own it, use it, let people know this is a wonderful aspect of our medicine. Great. Thank you so much, Michael, for the opportunity to talk about this. I, I love talking about guasa and doing it. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm -hmm.